Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. Man, I'm excited to be here this morning. More excited that you're here. Most excited that God's here. Because um, I see Him already changing hearts and lives. So we're in a series. Uh, this is the last Sunday of it. Um, we're in a series called Crazy Praise. Uh, crazy prayers and uh, well, praise would be great too. Yeah. Crazy prayers, um, and it was a series we started. And we just said, "Hey, man, that sometimes God wants us to believe for more than what we're used to." Um, uh, then second week we talked about fan the flame that God puts an ember of faith inside of us, and that we have to blow on that ember for it to become a fire. Uh, what you don't tend to dies. Uh, if you don't tend to your faith, it'll die. If you don't tend to crazy prayers, it'll die. And then we talked about, hey, that there's two kinds of doubt. There's a, there's a heart doubt and a head doubt. Head doubt is natural. It's, it's the battlefield of the mind, Joyce Meyer. Uh, book, um, that, that, that you, you battle in your mind, but not in your heart. That when you doubt in your heart, is a different place than in your mind. And we, we basically said um, that we're all a little bit like the guy who, who looked at Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, but even so help my unbelief. That, 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 that was a head thing that the guy was wrestling with, not a heart thing. And then last week, uh, we talked about the fact that faith is an action word, that, that faith without works, Paul said, is dead. Um, that, that, man, if you believe something, you've got to go after it. So, so we're going to lean into that a little bit this week. And then next week, we're starting a series on identity. And I cannot wait to lean into that because I think it's something that so many people wrestle with. Um, but... As a segue into today's sermon, I do want to share a story. A guy stopped me last week after church. He said, hey, he's in a business uh, growth class through a local community college. And he said uh, that his professor came in and was very distraught. and They had to cancel class uh, because his daughter had miscarried, that they had gone in to do an ultrasound of the baby, and it appeared that the baby uh, had died. And so um, she went back for a second opinion. The class began to pray. Uh, and again, this isn't like at a Christian university. This is like just a public deal. And they began to pray, and they went in. The second doctor um, said, look, there's, there's nothing else we can do. We're going to have to do some processes, but your baby's gone. And just tore the mom up, tore the family up. And so the, the daughter calls her dad one day and says, hey, I need to meet you for lunch. And when they met, um, she had gone in, and they did one last test. And when she met with her dad, she handed him a little printout. And it was the baby's heartbeat. Amen. The baby is alive yes. and well and growing. Now, here's the thing. That's a crazy prayer. Um, there are times when we don't know how to pray and we just have to put it in the Lord's hands. That's right. Um, uh, does that mean that God is going to miraculously solve everything? No, unfortunately, sometimes you know we, we lose children. It, it is just, unfortunately, a fact of life. But... I wonder how many times God may have had another plan, but we didn't dare pray a crazy prayer. I wonder how many things in our life we don't see God move in, not because God doesn't want to move in, but because we don't have the faith to pray a crazy prayer. And so today we're going to lean into that and uh, we'll start with kind of a fun deal. So here we go. Okay, so I have a gift. And this gift is for somebody out there. Who likes presents? Me. Okay, so you're the first hand I saw, Shannon. So come up here and get this gift. But I have a question. Or I have to tell you something about it. Because this is your gift. But what does that say? Tomorrow. So you can have it, but you can't open it. Is that okay? 
Okay, I'm gonna give it to you. Okay, but before you get back, are you? Do you want to give that to somebody else, or do you? You want to keep it? You want to keep it? You don't want to give it away? There's so many people that no, like I, gifts I, here. I didn't feel unspiritual until you said it like that, and then all of a sudden, I felt like maybe I should give it away. So, are you gonna? Are you gonna take it home, or are you gonna stick it under your seat and just leave it here? You gonna take it home? Can I have a picture when you open it tomorrow? Okay, yay. So you can have that because I told you you could have it, right? Shake it. So there's stuff in it, right? There's really something in it. So it's not a blank box. It's not an empty box. There's really some, I promise there's something in that. Okay, it's yours. Go. Hey, you're welcome. Come on. <laughs> Heck yeah, free stuff. Can I say I would not do well in this? Do not, so don't look at me and say, hey, pastor, I need to tell you something later. No. If you brought it up, freaking say it. Like, you don't have to tell me the whole story. We can talk about that later, but... Don't tell me you, anybody's wife or husband go, hey, we need to talk. You instantaneously go through your head, what is wrong? <laughs> don't do that. Yes, you're like, what did I do? I don't, and God help you if you did something and you hope they didn't find out about it. Not like you're hiding stuff, but like, hey, we're on a diet and you ate a salad and ate Oreos. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and here's the other thing. So I love Christmas. We, matter of fact, we put our tree up. Uh, October 31st. You can judge that however you want to. Uh, it's way too much work for a short run. Now, if you're a person that disagrees with that, I don't care. So, um, and I'm okay with it. But look, you're, you don't live with me, right? And there's probably a reason. Uh, so, so, but my wife knows this. Our tree goes up the end of October, but she can't put presents under it then. Do you know why? <laughs> No, no I guesses. don't think, no, but I, listen, if I buy you a good gift, I can't buy you a good gift in January for the next Christmas because I will straight up give it to you because I don't like to wait. Because here's <laughs> the thing, what if Jesus comes back? I'm sitting on this great gift and so like, you know what I'm saying? And if you, if you give me something, it's time to open it. No, for real. I Listen, 25th, 22nd, 20th, what's the difference? If Jesus comes back, I don't want to walk through eternity going, I wonder what was in that box. <laughs> so I looked at my wife and I'm like, if she had done this, said, hey, I'll give you this, but you can't open it tomorrow, I'd be like, look, I'm just going to go and let happen. you know I'm going to lie. It will not happen. I'm going to open it today, take a picture and send it to you on Monday, and you can pretend like whatever you need to pretend like. <laughs> but I'm opening what's in the box. Now here's the thing. The problem is, is because I'm that personality it does affect the way that I pursue God and ask God to answer my prayers. Not always for the best, but I expect God to give me my present when I want it, how I want it, and what I want it, exactly the way I prayed, forgetting that He's the God of the universe who holds time, space, and perfection in the palm of His hand. Mm -hmm. So it does affect the way you open the gifts that He has for you. That's right. And His promises are gifts. They're gifts to us. They're promises that He told us we could have. So they're ours. Um, sometimes we can open them right away and we see the fruition of it. And sometimes we have to wait until He says we can open them. And sometimes we have to go through seasons to get to that, to get to that promise. But just like she's holding that box right now, there's evidence that there's a promise, that there's a gift, but she hasn't seen the proof of it yet because it hasn't been uh, revealed to her. So we always have to remember there's evidence before there's ever proof. Absolutely.
So we're going to use three examples, um, biblical story examples that you've probably heard before um, to talk about people who pursued their promises and what kind of the steps were that they went through. And we're going to go all the way back to Genesis. Um, because it's four chapters, I'm not going to put that up except for a reference so you can write that down if you're a note taker. But we're going to talk about Noah and the challenges that Noah had to find his promise. So basically, if you remember the story, I'm going to paraphrase it, but the world had become so filthy and corrupt that God decided that he was going to have to destroy mankind. He was going to have to wipe it. And the Bible even says, I'm going to blot mankind from the earth. So he wipes out man. He wipes out all the things of the earth, everything that crawled, everything that creeped, all the animals, all the birds of the air gone. He's like, I've got to get rid of it and start over. And there was only one man, only one person that he found favor with, and that was Noah, because Noah was Noah was a godly man, and he followed the Lord. And so God said, I'm going to recreate humanity through Noah, but first I have to wipe them out. So anyway, he tells Noah, he's like, I need you to go build this ark. And so Noah's like, okay, God, what's an ark? You know, what, yeah. what is that? And um, he said, well, it's going to rain. And Noah's like, okay, what's rain? Because from that point, everything had been watered from the springs of the earth. So he said, well, I'm going to destroy the world, basically. And he said, I am going to burst forth all the fountains of the, of the earth, and the heavens are going to open up, and water is going to fall, basically rain. So you got to think, like, what is going through Noah's mind at this time? Because God says it's going to do something I've never heard of before, never seen. Nobody in history knew what it was. He's asking me to build an ark, which I know what a boat is to go fishing in in the water, but I don't understand this thing that's going to be the size of a football field based on the instructions God gave us. God gave him, right? So the rain, you know, there was doubt in his mind about what is rain. He had to really trust God. It's just like, you know, if God tells you something that you're familiar with and you can go, hey, you know, yeah, I've heard of that. I know what that is. But, you know, something you've never heard of and you're stepping out into something that, you know, could make a fool of you, basically. Yeah. Um, also, he didn't know how to build an ark. God gave him these instructions and, and the type of stuff to do. But he's probably thinking, I'm not a carpenter. You know, I don't. I don't know, you know, am I going to do it right? Am I good? Is it going to be good enough? Is it actually going to be waterproof? Is it going to float when the water starts to come? You know, he had to ask those questions. And then to me, one of the craziest things would have been all those mean people that had become so terrible were going to be making fun of him the whole time. Like thinking he's an idiot, you know, going, why, why are you doing this? This is so ridiculous. You just look like a, a foolish person making this thing. So his character was under attack. Have you ever have you ever been called to something that everybody around you is like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard? And your character becomes under attack. And then you think, am I really hearing from God? Is this really a promise from God or not? And I think that's the thing that all of us <laughs> face. If you're gonna if you're gonna go to a next place with God, first of all, doubt is part of it. It's the way the enemy gets you off your game, is to get you to doubt what he told you. Doubt the promises of God. Because here's the thing. Days are, days are long, but years are short. It, it, it's easy to get off your game when, when you begin to, to listen to those seeds of doubt. And here's the thing. Anytime God calls you to something, you're going to feel inadequate. 
Mm-hmm. Because if you are adequate, you don't need God. Right. Can I, can I say this? Every time I preach, I, I listen to that song uh, from Elevation. I'm not enough unless you come and meet me here mm-hmm. again. Because, dude, if it's me, we're in trouble. That's right. Can I just, like, I don't have a skill set big enough to change people's life. There's not a day that goes by that I don't wrestle with that inadequacy for my job. Matter of fact, uh, Stephen Ferdicuati, you guys know, speaking of Elevation Church, wrote a book called Unqualified. Uh, and basically, um, God calls him to this amazing thing, and one of his heroes in the faith is doing an interview, and they ask about him, and he goes, it, it, what they thought about Stephen Furtick, and he said, unqualified. The guy's simply unqualified. And he said, at first it hurt my feelings, and then it dawned on me. <laughs> He's right. I'm not qualified to run this amazing church. I'm not qualified to have a voice into this many people's lives. I'm not... It's the favor of God. So here's the thing. If you're, if you're wrestling with doubt and you're, you're wrestling with, with not being enough, here's the thing. The reality of it is, is you're probably perfectly in the will of God. The last mm. thing is this. is If people are talking about you, you're probably on the right track. Right. Listen, everybody's going to call you crazy until they call you a genius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Noah's crazy building the ark until it starts raining. You can't let public opinion sway your destiny. So you're going to wrestle with that. You're going to wrestle with inadequacy. You're even going to wrestle with with criticism. But criticism oftentimes is the setup to your promise. Mm -hmm. So we have to remember this. It's It's all about not letting what you see or possibly don't see be louder than what God says. Say that again. It's not letting what you see or don't see be louder than what God has said. Absolutely. So, you know, and it's kind of crazy. Like if if Noah was such a great guy, you know, think about the things when that flood started and those people were drowning. I mean, if Noah was good in his heart, you know, how hard was it? Because God locked the door. He locked them into the door. They could not open it until God let them open it. And those people are drowning. You know, he had to think, God, is this right? Like, how could you let this happen? And the flood was actually a disaster that he had to go through to get to his promise. Come on. It didn't just, he didn't just get in the boat and then everything was okay. There was a process to it. And we have to remember that God's promise is greater than proof. You have to remember that you have to trust not look for signs because we all like to look for signs. We all want a sign. We all want to go, hey, God, show me this or like some kind of magical thing. Like if this happens, then God, I know it's you. And sometimes that's true, but that's not trusting God. That's trusting your own sight and your own senses to tell you what's the promise and what's not. Go ahead and do the last one, then I'm going to circle back. Okay. So because he kept pressing through these challenges, he avoided the crush. And that's where all these outside forces, and I know if you've ever walked through anything, these outside forces will press you like a tin can, and they will crush your promise if you let them. It's so important not to let those forces crush you. It is impossible to get to a a promise without going through a problem. It is impossible to get to a promise without going through a problem. We all want the promise. We just don't want the problems. But if you read the Bible, every great move that God ever did came with a problem. 
Hey, I want to prove that I'm God. I'm going to call down fire from heaven. Yay! Forgetting that there's 150 or 250 or whatever the, the prophets of Baal were there. And then as soon as we get done, i got to kill them. Yay! But now Jezebel's trying to kill me. Like, when does it end, God? Yes. And you know God's answer? It don't. I'm going to take you from promise to problem to promise to problem to promise to problem to promise to problem. But God, I'm tired. Oh, okay. I'm going to take you to a promise to a problem to... And it doesn't end. Scripture says that rain falls on the just and the unjust. We all get wet. We all got... Stuff falling in our, on our head and in our lives. The question is, how are you going to get through it? I think the answer to that. We think the answer to that. It's crazy prayers. Believe in God that even in the problem, that the promise is right around the corner. Even if it takes a while for it to develop. Some of my greatest promises have been answered <clears throat> through the process of my greatest pains. So... The second character that we like to talk about in the Bible, we talked about her last week, actually, was the woman with the issue of blood. And we talked about her faith and how she stayed focused on that. So she believed that she would be healed if she could just touch the garment of Jesus, the hem. It's the hem of his garment. So, like, she didn't even want to, like, grab him. She just wanted to, like, feel the anointing come out of him to heal her body. So she had her mindset before she ever set forth after this promise. She had her mindset. She had her faith going. She was ready for it. So I'm going to read um, Mark 5, 25 and 26. It says, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but actually grew worse. And I love what Luke says. I'm going to read um, Luke, and that's going to be um, starting with verse 43. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I even touch his garment, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of, of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garment? And the disciples said to him, You see this crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So remember this. Crazy prayers always precede crazy faith. Right. You have to have the faith to follow it through. You have to do that. <clears throat> this lady could not be fixed by doctors. She was desperate. Desperation was all around her. Have you ever had something wrong and you, nobody knows what's wrong? You know, you've gone to doctor after doctor after doctor. I've had this happen in my life before. Um, you can't figure it out. The doctors don't know what's going on. But yet you know inside your body something is not right and it needs to be fixed. That's a desperate place, if you've ever been to that place. And she spent all of her money. It says she spent her entire living. So every dollar that she made, 
she put into being well and could not find it. And so she's not only physically broken, but she is financially broken. And then the craziest part of me in this crazy prayer is that she put her own life at risk to even go into the town. Her presence in the town in her unclean condition under Judaic law was illegal, and she could have been stoned to death for even being there, much less touching someone, especially Jesus, as he passed through. So she was so desperate and so broken, she was willing to go through the danger because there's always a cycle to your promise. You you get your promise, you have to walk through a season before the promise becomes a reality. Absolutely. And I think here's the question. If you're here, are you in a desperate season? The reality of it is, is this. I, I had some folks come up to me and they're like, Pastor, um, I don't have a crazy prayer to pray. And I'm like, then you should be, your praise should be ridiculous. Right. Because you're in a good season. But here's what I know about life. <laughs> Next season's coming. Look, I love summer. My wife sees one leaf change and she's like, yay. And I'm like, no. <laughs> This year, we got a little bit of runway with fall. Can, can I get a Halloween? My wife told me this one time. She's like, I love living in North Carolina because we get four seasons. I'm like, where have you been? <laughs> we ain't the same North Carolina. Because usually it goes, it goes summer to Siberia. There's no fall here. Um, and, and I'm not built for cold. I'm just saying. I don't like it. I, I don't embrace it. I complain about it. Here's the thing. If you're in a good season, you need to be rejoicing. But here's also what I know that the season will change eventually. Yeah. I'm not trying to be down, but what I am saying is this lady got to a point of desperation. You're either desperate now or you'll be desperate in the future. You'll be desperate relationally, financially, physically, emotionally, spiritually. That You will hit a point where you are crying out to God. Here's the other thing that I know is that, that in that desperation, you will become broken. Yes. Because here's the reality that in order for God to grow you into what He needs to grow you into, sometimes we have to be broken in the places of our life that we don't like to be broken. Mm -hmm. and then the last thing is this, is that being desperate and being broken makes you dangerous. Because people that are desperate and broken don't have anything to lose. Right. And they're right. willing to risk it all. That's right. Crazy prayers comes out of a place of brokenness and desperation because the only thing that you have, the only resource that you have, the only breakthrough that you can find comes from doing what nobody else is willing to do. To go places nobody's willing to go so that God can hear a prayer of a daughter or a son. Here's the thing. Nobody ever touched Jesus when Jesus didn't touch him back. Here's the reality. You can still touch Jesus while not physically, spiritually. And you've never reached out to God, but He doesn't reach back. So if you're here today, as we're getting ready to head into the third and last person that we're going to talk about. But if you're wrestling with the tension of the stories you hear, it could be because you're set up to pray a crazy prayer and see God do something that you never even thought possible. That's right. Let's keep, keep going. That's right. So... In 2 Kings, there was a, a woman from Shunem, she's called the Shunemite woman, and this is probably one of my favorite stories. I think this is truly a compelling example of pursuit of a promise through the midst of probably one of the hardest challenges 
that I as a mom could ever imagine. So I'm going to read this scripture. It starts in verse 8, 2 Kings 4, verse 8. It says, One day Elisha went on to Shunem, where, there, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold, now I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. Let me just say this. If God is going to do something in your life, you have to make room for it. Mm-hmm. If God's got a promise, you've got to make room for the promise. Right. You, you, can't, you can't store up all your fear, doubt, and unbelief and then have enough room for God to come and settle in the room that you want your promise to live in. So today, it may be part of your breakthrough, part of your transition from that pressing season to the season of promise is making room for what you're asking God for. Keep going. Verse 11 says, One day he came there, and he turned into the chamber, and he rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite. When he called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, Now say to her, See, you've taken all this trouble for us, so what is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, well, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. He said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway and he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived and she bore a son about that time, the following spring, just as Elisha had told her. So this lady apparently could not have children and and wanted a child. And so through Elisha, God gave her a promise of a child. So she had this hope that was born inside of her about this child that would be born to her. And while she was wealthy, she was still a little bit hood. No, 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 I'm not playing because she looked at it. Can I paraphrase this a little bit? Says she was a wealthy woman, so she drove like a Mercedes or a Beamer. But she looked at God and said, or looked at the man of God and said, don't play with me. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about the thing I really want. Now, don't don't tease me. Right. Because I made a room for you, but I'll shank you. Because you can play with women about some things, but there are some things that, that are out of bounds. Mm-hmm. There are some things in your heart that if God starts dealing with you, you feel like God's playing with you. Yeah. And what God said is, is I have a promise. I'm not playing. I've got a promise for you. I'm not, I'm not teasing you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to hang you out to dry. I've got a promise for you, but you're going to have to walk into that promise. That's right. So if you know the story as it goes, um, the child grows up a little bit. He's still a young boy. He's out in the field with his father. He's either playing or he's helping or, you know, whatever little kids do. And in my mind, I imagine him to be five or six years old, you know, long enough that she's had time to, like, watch him grow and and see his personality develop and become attached to this child. And the little boy grabs his head and cries out, and the father sends him in. We believe that he probably had a heat stroke. And so he sends him to his mother. She sits him on her lap and she holds the baby only for him to die in her lap. So my question today is, what do you do and how do you react when you feel like your promise dies in your arms? 
like, how do you react to God? You know, are you mad? Are you angry? Do you bail out on your promise? Do you just say, well, it must have not been the will of God? I don't think we do that. We, we may want to give up and we may feel like doing that and we may be mad like God tricked us. And just like she said, you know, don't mess with me because this is the one thing that's deep down in my heart that I desire so much and you're going to give it to me and then you're going to take it from me? I don't think so, right? There's the hood coming yeah. out. I don't think so. But she kept her peace because she knew this was a promise. But she had to go through the mourning process of, I have lost this child. What am I going to do now? I'm not going to give up. So she calls her servant and says, get my transportation ready, whether it was a donkey or a horse or whatever she was riding. And she's like, just get out of my way. I'm going to find the man of God. So she pursues the man of God because <clears throat> before Jesus, the man of God was representation how to get to God. And so she had to go find the man of God to find, to get her promise back because she's like, God didn't promise me this for nothing. Yeah. This did not come to me just to die in my arms. Yeah. So she takes off. Gehazi meets her. The servant meets her. And he's like, what can I do? And she's like, uh-uh, I don't want to talk to you. I need the man of God. I need Elisha. Fool, get out of my way. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so he's like, well, he's busy basically. And, and she's like, I don't care. I'm not taking no for an answer. You get him to me. And Elisha hears her and says, is that the Shunammite woman? And, and he's like, yes. He said, let me see what she wants. So she waits for him. He tells her, he's like, well, he wants to send the servant to go pray for the baby. And she's like, oh, no, man of God, you're going with me because you promised me this and I'm going to see it through. I need you to do this. And the thing is, I forgot to mention that she actually laid the baby's body on the bed that she made for the man of God because that's where the promise came from and that's where she was going to go back to to get it back. So Elisha comes back. He actually, if you read the story, you'll see he laid on the baby, on the little boy, and he breathed God's life back into him. He laid with his hands face to face, body to body, and breathed on him. But if you imagine being that mom awake, and you're going to want that to happen right then. As soon as he prays for him, Come on, get up. you want that baby to get up. And it took several times. He had to go back and do it again and do it again. But the faith was there. She knew that was her promise, and she did not give up on it. And she knew in her heart with her crazy faith that that was going to be given back to her. And here's the thing that, that I think is ironic, that in the beginning of that story, she lays the, the baby on the bed where the prophet laid. Because here's what she realized. She realized that everything she had came from God. So where else do I lay my problems and my promises? On the bed at the feet of Jesus. So here's the thing. God gave you money to steward. He gave you health to steward. He gave you life to steward. Relationships to steward. But they're all gifts from God. And the minute we forget that they're gifts from God, God's provision of God's promises can't take care of them anymore. Mm -hmm. So she lays them there. And she always wanted a son, so what she really had was hope. Mm -hmm. She always wanted a son, but now it's dead, so now I'm mourning the loss. I'm going to say this, anytime you feel like a promise died in your arms, you're always going to go through mourning. Right. You're always going to weep. You're always going to, you're always going to wrestle with it. But here's the reality. Because she, she wouldn't give up, and she harassed who had to be harassed, and she did what she had to do, she was persistent. 
You'll never have a valuable promise without hope, without mourning what you have to lose to get it, mm-hmm. and without being persistent enough not to give up on the promise. If God told you you can have it, don't quit till you have it. That's right. Well, yeah, but I didn't see it dying. Well, don't quit. Something you ever notice half the things that are dead aren't really dead when Jesus is around. And then some things like fig trees you thought were alive were actually dead. They just didn't know it. Like, yeah. you see what I'm saying? Like, like sometimes I thought the relationship was going to be forever, but the relationship had to die because it wasn't really bearing any fruit. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I didn't think was going to bring fruit brought fruit. Yeah. Hey man, I didn't see I didn't see having to go through this addiction. I didn't see having to go through this problem. I didn't see having to go through this. It wasn't really what I thought was going to happen. You know, we all pray for, for people in our lives and then they get here and they annoy us. <laughs> Prayed for a husband, prayed for a husband. Then he got here and he won't put the toilet seat down. I don't shut cabinets. I figure I'm going back. Doors and drawers. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Because you forget this, that every promise comes with a problem. It's not going to be what you thought it was going to be like. Can you get over you? Can you get out of your own head? I love this. The Old Testament says this, that where the barns are empty, mm-hmm. the stables are clean. If you're going to have promises, if you're going to have full stables, you're going to shovel crap. <laughs> because every promise comes with a problem. And when we just embrace the problems as part of the promise then we begin to live lives that look for God to answer crazy prayers knowing that crazy problems come with them. Mm -hmm. Jump back in. So pushing through, like, always go to the source. Come on. Don't let, like we said earlier, don't let those outside forces crush you. You push back. You push back, and you will see the promises of God come to pass in your life. I love this. Galatians 6, 8 through 9. says this, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. God said this, if you try to do it on your own, it's just going to rot. It, it's kind of like tithing. People go, uh, man, money keeps cutting, you know, goes in my pocket now. And I'm like, well, are you tithing? No, well, that's probably the reason. Do you have a budget? If you got a budget and you tithe, you're in good shape. If you don't, if you don't tell your money where to go, it will wander off. Mm. Mine, yeah. no, right. it will. Mine, mine wanders to Burger King and Chick Fil A. <laughs> but one who sows into the Spirit will, from the Spirit, reap. That's not mine. If y'all trying to tell me to quit, it ain't gonna work. So many timer going off. I'll put. Look, I pre- preach with your timer going off. I'll tell the devil and his time anyway. But the one who sows into the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in good season, we will reap if we don't give up. Half the people never see God do what He wanted to do in their marriage and in their finances and in their relationships and in their health and in all that because they quit before they got, before they got there. Mm-hmm. Well, they started getting on my nerves and I wasn't happy anymore. Well, keep working on it. They'll get less on your nerves. If you're in a relationship, if you ain't dead, it ain't over. That's right. I'm talking about marriage, right? Like I ain't talking about your neighbor. Your neighbor, you can just quit them. 
Does this make any sense? Man, I, you know, man, I've been on a budget today, but my finances haven't changed. I went to the gym twice and I still have a one pack. What's wrong with it? Right. The promise is there, but you can't quit. I, I love the analogy that you used. Share so what you don't want to do is is be root bound by limited faith. Come on. Have you ever seen a plant that is intended to be this big, beautiful piece of art, basically nature's creation? And it's in a little tiny pot and nobody's nobody's even planted it in a big enough space. When you limit your faith, you are becoming root bound because you can never grow to the potential that God wants you to be if you stay root bound. So you cannot, you cannot stop in the middle of the process. You have to step out. You have to expand your faith because what seed was planted in you is meant to grow and it's meant to become a full grown plant, not to be stunted in its growth at an early stage and a failure. It's going to happen. Crazy faith is the fulfillment of your promise. Here's the thing. When I see a problem, I have to, people have to help me put the brakes on. Because I just start, but I, my figure, my thought is this. If there's a problem, I need to break something to fix something. Come on. All my type A guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, garage is dirty. All right, we're throwing some crap away. Yeah, but we don't need that. We'll buy, Amazon delivers in like four hours. We'll get another one. Clean it up. Hey, there's this little spot in the wall. Next thing you know, I've, I've like chiseled out like half a sheetrock panel. And, and she's like, you don't know how to do sheetrock. And I'm like, I know, but the bubble's gone. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What if, what if you did that? Some people right now, look, I, got, I got guys over here going, dude, I did that. Just stop. She, was, she wasn't mad anymore. <laughs> what if you did this? What if you said, Lord, I'm so... I'm so intent on seeing you move with crazy prayers that I may step out. I may do too much, but I refuse to be root bound. Exactly. God, I'm going to pray for some stuff that you're going to have to tell me no for. It's like, Mm -hmm. have you ever noticed everybody says this? I'm waiting on God to give me a sign to do it. Well, why don't you ask for a sign not to do it and get to work? Why don't I crave crazy, crazy prayers that God has to literally look at me and go, son, slow down. But can I say this? When have you ever remembered the story where God said, son, you had too much faith? Mm. Daughter, you had too much faith. You believe me for too much. No, we actually see the contrary where God says, you have not because you didn't ask me. The refrigerator was full and you went hungry because you, you were too proud to come to me and trust me for a sandwich. You could be in a season of your life right now where God wants to do the miraculous. And the only thing stopping him is your prayer. Mm-hmm. So today, every head down, every eye closed across this place. If you're here, I don't want to embarrass you. But if you're here and as we preached, you said, you know what? I'm somebody who God is just challenging me from the inside out that he wants to do this crazy prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want to pray over you. We just slip your hand up. Man, hey, I'm doing something and I just need God right now to answer a crazy prayer. Father, for every hand that's up, God, with hands up across this building, Father, my prayer is that right now you let us pray crazy prayers. God, not not to be insane, but God, to get out of our mind and into the mind and the heart of our Creator. 
Father, into the mind and heart of God. Father, will you do crazy things in relationships, crazy things in ministry, crazy things in finances, crazy things in, in, in our comings and our going, God, in everything that we do. God, will you just do things for people that just blow their mind because you want them to see the heart of the God who created them. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor, what I really want to do is have the things that you're talking about, but I can't have them because I'm not where I'm supposed to be with you. If you're here and, and you're not in right relationship with God, will you just slip your hand up? Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, we had hands go up. This is a moment where, where you're going to make either a first-time commitment to God or you're just going to, you're going to make another commitment. A new commitment. Can we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father, right now I invite you into my life. Right now I invite you to my life. Maybe for the first time. Maybe for the first time. Maybe again. Maybe again. Either way. Either way. I want you to be. I want you to be. The Lord. The Lord. Of my life. Of my life. I confess my sins. I confess my sins. And I thank you for forgiving me. And I thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give these folks a round of applause. That's awesome. Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.